today I want to talk about being a slingshot in a shotgun world. I, I, I remember having a, a slingshot as a kid. One of the first weapons I had. And you could, you could do some amazing things with a slingshot. In fact, I have a slingshot for every man that's here today, at least for the first hundred. Uh, we got them on your way out today. Our ushers will give you a slingshot. But a slingshot is up close and personal. It's pinpoint accuracy. A shotgun is more distant and scattered. It's, it's hopeful that it's going to hit something because it just kind of scatters out. And I believe God is calling us to become slingshot dads, slingshot parents, slingshot men and women in a shotgun world. How do you do that? Number one, you practice. You practice in obscurity. You put your practice time in. No one really gives you a manual on parenthood, right? They just kind of hand it to you and go, hey, here you go. Like, okay, now what? But, but there is a manual. God gives us a manual. He's the only one. His word is packed full of wisdom. And if I could encourage you today to read the instruction manual, We were talking in, in youth on Wednesday night about premarital sex. Yeah, we went there. And we talked about a lot of things. That was just one of the subjects. And, and the deal is God gives us this instruction manual. And it's not because he's a, a mean God that wants to take away all your fun. It's because he knows how best you work. Because he's the designer, he's the creator. And he's the one that made you and he gives you an instruction manual. And I pulled this manual out of my, my cabinet. It's, it's a manual to the Choo Choo Express train that sits in the middle of our living room. Uh, we bought it when, when our grandkids came around. They love it, it's, it's amazing. But it's interesting, I had to get this out this week because it got something happened to it. And I'm trying to figure out what's going on with this thing. So I pulled the manual out, and, and uh, it's pretty incredible. They tell you what to do and how to build it and how it works best. And it came with for free. It came with the choo-choo train. And I can go out and, and take that choo-choo train out into the the outdoors, let it rain, and, and, and yet they're telling you don't do that because you'll ruin it. Don't run the thing through water or you'll ruin it. It only takes so much weight. Don't ruin it. And when my daughter wants to ride it, and she's a little bit larger than the child, don't do it. The instruction manual tells you, you'll break the train. 
story is told of an old man who lived on a farm in the mountains of eastern Kentucky with his young grandson. And each morning, Grandpa was up early sitting at the kitchen table reading from his old worn-out Bible. And his grandson, who wanted to be just like him, tried to imitate him in any way he could. And one day, the grandson asked, Papa, I try to read the Bible just like you, but I don't understand it. And what I do understand, I forget as soon as I close the book. What good does reading the Bible do? The grandfather quietly turned from putting coal in the stove and said, Hey, take this coal basket down to the river and bring back a basket of water. The boy did as he was told, even though all the water leaked out before he could get back to the house. The grandfather laughed and said, You're going to have to move a little faster next time. Send him back down to the river with the basket to try again. This time the boy ran faster, but again the basket was empty before he returned home. Out of breath, he told his grandfather that it was impossible to carry water in a basket. He went off to get the bucket instead, and the old man said, I don't want a bucket of water. I want a basket of water. You can do this. He went out to the door and watched the boy try again. And At this point, the boy knew that it was impossible, but he wanted to show his grandpa that even if he ran as fast as he could, the water would leak out before he got far at all. The boy scooped the water, ran hard, and when he reached his grandfather, the basket was again empty, and out of breath, he said, See, Papa, it's useless. It's useless. The old man said, So you think it's useless? Look at the basket. The boy looked at the basket, and for the first time, he realized that the basket looked different. Instead of a dirty old coal basket, it was clean. Son, that's what happens when you read the Bible. You might not understand or remember everything, but when you read it, it will change you from the inside out. In fact, the Word of God calls itself the water of the Word. You are washed by the water of the Word. Practice in obscurity. Read the instruction manual. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says, Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. And God's word is full of wisdom. Sharpen your blade. Always lead yourself first, Dad. And then lead others with clarity and wisdom. Lead yourself. Fill yourself up. Let the word of God wash you on a daily basis. And sometimes when we say the word lead, the word lead is uh, it's so warped today. I'm not even sure if it works anymore. By lead, I mean give your life away for the good of someone else. Let Jesus be the paradigm for your leadership. So how do we become a slingshot in a shotgun world? We practice in obscurity. David played his harp in the field with the sheep when no one was listening except the Lord. And he honed his skills where he eventually played his harp before the king with such an anointing and the presence of God that the troubling spirit that, that attacked Saul would leave him when David played. Something happened out in the field that prepared David for the king's palace. It was the practice in obscurity it was the practice putting in the time when nobody else was looking except God. 
You see, it's, it's in the secret place. It's that secret place preparation that determines your public victory. David honed his skills. David took on the lion and the bear before he ever met Goliath. He was working out in the field. And nobody else was watching except a few sheep and God Almighty. And God said, there's somebody I can trust. There's somebody who's putting the time in when nobody's looking over their shoulder. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, it says in verse 16, for 40 days every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread. Carry them quickly to your brothers. Give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd, set out early the next morning. He took care of his sheep. Okay, he left him with another shepherd. Set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts of battle cries. And soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. And as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. And David heard him shout his usual talk to the army of Israel. And as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David asked the other standing soldiers standing nearby, What? Wait, what? What? What did I hear? Reward? King's daughter? No taxes? Dude, I'm in. And, and seriously, David, he's, he's like freaking out. He, he asks the soldier standing nearby, what, what will a, a man give for killing this Philistine, ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. When David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about the, those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. There was no battle. You guys were running. But Eliab knew about David's anointing because he was there the day that Samuel showed up. And said, none of you guys are the king, but here's the king, the little guy, the guy that's been out with the sheep, David. And sometimes those who know your anointing will be the first to try to degrade you and put you down and tell you you can't do it. Who do you think you are? That few little people of sheep, whatever you think you've got going in your life, that little job you got, who cares about that? And Eliab tried to put David down, but David said, what have I done now? 
I was only asking the question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing, received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul. The king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine to possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David protested, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club. I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Seriously? Dude, what's wrong with you? He said, I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said. May the Lord be with you. Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into a shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling. Now, wasn't this kind of slingshot, I'm sure? But imagine this against a mighty man of war, at least twice your size. Who has never lost a battle, who's covered with armor, who's got his spear, his shield, his armor bearer with him, and, and all you got is a Slingshot. And Goliath walked out toward David and the shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods and come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come at me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. This is serious business, folks. And then I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. But not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. He will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The only place he was vulnerable. It was as if David had practiced so many times that he knew the exact spot. He was able to hit right there. 
with one stone. Was it David's skill or God's anointing? Yes. It was both. David had practiced in obscurity. But he also had the presence and the anointing of God that took that stone exactly where God wanted it to go. He practiced and God anointed him. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone. The stone sank in. Goliath stumbled, fell face down on the ground. David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from the sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head just like he said he would. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead. They turned and ran. Listen, God has given you skills. Practice in obscurity. And then use them for his glory when he brings you to the forefront. And if you're practiced up, when he brings you to the forefront, he will anoint you and you'll be greater than you ever thought you could be. It's a good place for an amen. amen. Secondly, to be a slingshot in the shotgun world, you need perfect aim. Perfect aim. Perfect aim comes from constant practice. Somebody say constant practice. It's called muscle memory in sports. You learn how to golf. You learn what the swing feels like, and, and you get that muscle memory down. And so every time you take the, the stance and ready for your, your drive, you know exactly what it feels like. At least Tim Brown does. The rest of us are always practicing. It's like, really? Okay. Or basketball. You, you get the ability to, to feel how far away you are from the goal, and you, you take that shot, and your muscles say, yeah, you're 30 feet away, so you need this much and that much spring in your step. And I found out how much muscle memory I've lost <laughs> over the years as the kids have been coming to our house on Wednesday nights, and we've been playing basketball and having youth group, and, and uh, you know, I used to be able to go out to the court and just, it didn't matter where I was, I could, I knew the feeling, right? And now I don't know the feeling anymore, and it's like, <laughs> whoa, and some of the times I'm, I'm trying to take a shot, and my shoulders are going, hey, 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 what are you doing? You don't do this. You don't do this anymore, okay? Stop it. Stop it right now. And my legs are going, ha, 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 don't jump anymore, quit it. You know, it's, it's like, really? Why? Because I got out of practice. So I don't have the perfect aim I used to have. I don't know if you watched it in the NBA Finals. Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, LeBron James, they, they didn't get their perfect aim by sitting on the couch eating chips, playing the little thing. No, they're on the court, they're practicing, they're spending hours, days, weeks, months, years practicing so they can have perfect aim. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, Paul the Apostle writes to the Christian at, at Corinth and he says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I'm dealing with eternal stuff here. And then he goes on and he says, so 
I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing here. I'm just gonna, I'm in a life and death struggle here. And this is eternal stuff. This is weighty stuff. So I'm running with purpose. I'm, I'm fighting with purpose in every step. So I can have perfect aim. Number three, pick the right target. Practice in obscurity, perfect aim, pick the right target. In a shotgun world of hoping you're going to hit the target, don't just hope. And listen, those of you who are parents, those of you who are dads, don't be an underprotective parent. You don't want to be a helicopter parent, okay? Oh, hovering over them at all times. But don't go the other way either, okay? Get involved. Hands-off parenting doesn't work. And it's highly dangerous for your kids. Help your children make wise decisions. And know what to shoot for. Know what targets to aim for, okay? Not every battle is a battle you need to fight. There's some battles that are lifelong battles. Life stuff. Eternal life stuff. Help your children make wise decisions and, and know what to shoot for. Aim wisely. Help them with their friends. Somebody say, help them with their friends. Because your friends will shape your present and your future. You become like those you hang out with. And Paul said to the Corinthians, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Don't fool yourself into thinking I can hang out with whoever I want for as long as I want. It's not going to change me whatsoever. It's going to change you. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. It's not just your friends that shape you. It's the media. It's the social media you're on. It's the music, it's the television, it's the movies. Listen, you hang out with the wrong influences long enough, it will impact your life. It will impact your choices. It will impact your thinking, your ideas. Songs are powerful shaping forces. They help you form your theology and your lifeology. It's not even a word, but I made it up. How you think about life, songs will impact you. You got to help, help your kids. Help yourself first, then help your kids. And help them make uh, wise spiritual choices. They're not able to make their own wise decisions without guidance. Amen. 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 They need some guidance. I'm just going to let them choose if they want to come to church or not. Are you kidding me? Don't be such a wimp. <laughs> Grow up. Don't be a shotgun. Don't just hope. Aim at the right target. Be strategic. Be informed. Be involved. Be in charge. That was good. Don't just sit around and go, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Get informed. Get involved. Stand up. Get a life. Be in charge. 
You know I did. I'm looking at two of my kids right here. You know I did. Sometimes we have this anxiety. Am I doing the right thing by going along with what other parents are doing? Or even we got the opposite. Am I doing the right thing by not going along with what everyone else is doing? Sometimes we know the right thing to do, but we feel this cultural pressure to just give in because everybody's doing it. Hone your skill. Aim for the right target. Be comfortable and confident with who you are. You're a child of the living God. You're an alien and stranger here on this earth. You got a higher calling. 1 Peter 2 says, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. And then do that for your kids as well. You live by a higher standard. You're not a chameleon. Come on. Don't be a chameleon. Don't just kind of blend in. We were down in Florida, and I saw this chameleon. He kept changing colors. Everywhere he jumped, he changed colors again. I'm like, dude, who are you? <laughs> just trying to blend in, just trying to, trying to be without anybody. Don't notice me. Listen, it, it's time for us to, to, to stand up. It's time for us to come alive. You're not a dead fish. Any dead fish can float downstream. It takes somebody who's got some life to go against the grain. God's put that life in you. Come on, man. God's put that life in you. Grab it. Grab a hold of what he's done in your life. Stand up. Go for it. Pick the right target and hit it. Your kids will someday be glad you did. Probably not right now. Someday they'll thank you. They'll be glad that you took a stand. And number four, and I close with this, and our time is almost gone. You need persistence in prayer. It's great to have skills, but you need the anointing of God. You need persistence in prayer. Because he's able to take what you put in this sling and send it in the perfect direction. I noticed that uh, in my Peg Perigo Choo Choo Express train instruction manual, there's a toll-free number. A and there's people going to talk to me and tell me what to do. In fact, I called and, and uh, it was a lady and she walked me through pulling out the little microchip thingy. And I'm like, you know what? That was very helpful. Because I looked at that thing. I'm like, well, I don't know. She said, unplug the red wire. I said, okay. And all of a sudden, things changed. And sometimes we've got to call on the one who knows the answers. You can't do this in your own strength. You don't have that ability. 
Yeah, you're good, but you're not that good. You got a lot going for yourself, but you still need his help. You still got to be persistent in prayer. Psalmist David said, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning till late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. And men, I'm, I'm calling you out today because you got the goods with God's help. You do. In fact, I want every man in this room, 18 and up, I want you to join me down front here. Come on, get up, let's go. I want to talk to you. 18 and older. And you know what the statistics tell us? Men don't go to church. Come on, come on in, guys, all the way down. Fill out around the corner here. <laughs> That's a good looking bunch, I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. There's some giant killers in this place. Some men who are going to be slingshot in a shotgun world. Some pinpoint accuracy. Some anointing. God's going to use you in amazing ways. He already is. But you can hone your skills better. Amen? Would you just turn around and, and I want you ladies just to see their faces for a moment. Look at this. Look at this. All right, guys, look this way for a minute. Listen, you need God's help. No doubt about it. You need to know him, first of all. Whom to know is life eternal. When you know God, everything changes. And you get an edge up in every area of life. And God wants you to know him first. Then he wants to fill you with all that he is. So I want to pray for you, okay? Just bow your heads. Everyone in this room, just bow your heads for a moment. We're going to pray for these men. But first of all, maybe there's someone in this room who doesn't know God yet. And today you'd like to know him. You'd like Jesus to become the Lord and Savior of your life. I want you just to slip a hand up real high. And I want to pray for you, okay? Some of you men, some of you ladies, you're here today. You say, I want to know Jesus today. I want him to change my life. Anybody? Hallelujah. 
Lord, I just pray for these men right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for them. I thank you for their commitment to life, their commitment to you, their commitment to their families, their commitment to their jobs. Lord, I thank you that you have given them skills that they are honing, skills that they are, are developing even in the secret place. And Lord, I thank you that your anointing is upon them. And I speak the anointing of God over their life. And I ask you, Lord God, to break every chain that would bind them, set them free in the name of Jesus, break addictions in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you, Father God, by the power of your spirit to come and fill them up with all of you as they commit themselves to being a slingshot in a shotgun world. Lord, anoint them, use them. May they be the men of God you've designed them to be. May they be set apart, Lord. May they be filled up with the strength of God. May they be strong in you and in the power of your might, not in their own power, not in their own strength, Lord. Be with them, strengthen them, Make them what you want them to be as they yield themselves to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing upon them. Thank you for your blessing upon them, Lord. Bless them with favor, with favor and an anointing. In the name of Jesus Christ, for your glory, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name.